0: to the black and gold hockey podcast episode 274 we're doing a live stream today all the boston bruins hockey talk that's been going on it's an exciting time of the year we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of the season it is getting into deeper april and the playoffs are shortly around uh, around the corner so i'm your host mark Allred, with my boy kevin o'keefe and we have a special guest angelo ang what is happening
1: thanks for having me guys
0: yeah, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
1: Really uh, cloudy day over here in uh, shitty Montreal, but uh, you know, wish I was in Boston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't blame How, you.
0: How's Kevin doing? Doing all right. Doing all thanks. right. I'm hanging in there. Good. Good. Glad to hear it. But um, uh, before we get going, we do want to hear from our show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.ag is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. And why everyone is saying BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your popular sports and games. BetOnline.ag—it's where the game starts. All right, and we are back. I just heard myself talk about BetOnline.ag. The Masters are going on. NHL hockey, baseball started up, and football. I mean, uh, and basketball still rolling along. A little pun there with a roll, huh, Kev? Um, oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Uh, go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50. We would certainly appreciate it. All right. So, like I said, uh, or I, I probably didn't say this, but it is an agenda-free um, topic. So we're just gonna sit here and talk some Boston Bruins. Um, I'm gonna uh, we. And if you have any questions, uh, hit us up in the chat, please. We'd certainly appreciate that to keep the uh, conversation going. But uh, why don't we uh, start off with Ange? Uh, Ange, you're, you're uh, coming in from Montreal. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a Boston Bruins fan, real quick.
1: Uh, you know what? Growing up over here, uh, I was lucky enough that uh, my family wasn't um, wasn't diehard, let's say Montreal fans. You know, but um, it was it was the '88 series. You know that series where uh, you know Lemele and Neely, and it was like ramped up that. You know, Montreal hadn't, uh, Boston hadn't beat Montreal for ages. And that's kind of when I started to get interested in in hockey. So it was kind of like being in school and there was a lot of hype. And I kind of said, you know what, whoever wins this series, I'm kind of going to cheer for. And, you know, the gods were watching, thank God, and Boston won that series. Because if not, I would have ended up, you know, on the dark side. (laughs)
2: oh yeah Yeah. in the dark times uh, right now too
1: yeah but uh you know it's been uh you know i i i can't picture being a fan of anything else i identify with this team in so many ways you know that hardworking ethic and you know it's just once once it's in you man it's in the blood you you can't get it out
0: oh yeah good for you man that's awesome it's almost like we, we do have a lot of listeners and um, and friends that live in Ontario, too. So it's like, yeah. you know, they're, they're constantly around the Toronto Maple Leafs all the time. And, yeah. you know, you, you hear them talk about uh, how bad it is up there. It's just a whining, I guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: you know, it's they're just uh, Toronto fans in particular. I find they just they're so entitled. I don't know if it's because they have the Hall of Fame there or the Cup is there and they just they think it's theirs all the time, you know, but. I don't think they had the cup since the, you know, before the invention of color TV. So I don't, I don't know what they're bragging about or anything like that. You know? Yeah. You, you,
2: you didn't hear Ainge. They already won the cup this year and last yeah, they, year.
1: They win every year. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, I, I love it here right now. Cause it's really quiet, you know? And the fact that, uh, You know, even their playoff run last year was was pretty quiet. I think they all realized that it was like a make believe playoff run. You know, something out of that uh, that show there, uh, you know, hocus pocus or something. Like it wasn't even a real playoff format. So they can't even brag about that. You know, (laughs) no blowing a
2: three one lead to the
0: Montreal Canadiens. Crazy, honestly. All right, why don't we talk about some times that are going on right now? In the Boston Bruins organization, um, they are—they just got done with Game Three of a four-game road trip, and that four-game road trip finishes up tomorrow afternoon at 1:30 in Washington, and uh, then the, uh, the it goes uh, for a three-game homestand against St. Louis, Ottawa, and Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of exciting action that's coming up. Um, any causes for concern at this point, boys? Mm. Um.
2: The bottom pairing is pretty much the only area where um, I'm having really a question mark. Uh, you know, Swayman, he's been having his rocky road here as of late, but Allmark has been absolutely fantastic. So once again, goaltending is not an issue for me. Uh, the top four of the defense, not an issue. Carlo, I think, um, is really starting to come around uh, paired with Grizzlick. That's really great to see. McAvoy-Linholm, that's just an absolute dominant pairing. You love to see it. Um, and the offense is absolutely fine. I think all, all four of these lines can roll
0: and give you goals. So, Absolutely. And what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of on board with uh, with Kevin. I noticed it a little bit in the game yesterday, and the only thing that worried me was in that third period, which is pretty much the last half of the third period was all I really got to watch uh, live, that they just they were hemmed in the zone, and, and, and I was a little bit worried about, yeah, we got a little bit of depth, but I'm I'm, I'm wondering if this depth can handle a seven-game series. That was one game yesterday. But, you know, if there's an injury in a, in a seven-game series, you know, day in and day out against, you know, a team like Tampa, I'm wondering if, you know, they might be able to pull off one game, but that's, that's kind of what worries me, you know. And depending on how, how long these injuries go in these last few games, which are essentially all playoff games no matter who you play. You know, I'm wondering if if that's something that is a little bit worrisome, if they can handle the gruel of every day,
0: you know? Yeah. And, uh, Fluto Ginzawa just tweeted out that Hampus Lindholm is not practicing today. Mm-hmm. It is an off day. So, uh, that could be more or less like a maintenance thing, uh, for the Boston Bruins and more precautionary. Um, even, and if there's a, an optional skate tomorrow before the game, uh, he could get in there to get his uh, legs stretched out. Um, but, um, uh, Joe Haggerty, who was at the TD Garden recently, uh, I think it was sometime last week when I quote tweeted it, um, mentioned that he walked right by Lindholm, walked right by Haggerty, and there wasn't any, wasn't any uh, limping or hindrance that he could notice, and no boot at all. So those are positive signs of of, of hopefully this getting done quicker than than a long term thing and and into the playoffs where it could be a concern because. Uh, this type of defenseman that came in via the uh, trade deadline has really put an impact on that, on that top pairing with Charlie McAvoy. And I think that the both have worked really well. And Hampus is the type of uh, player that can also be shuffled down to the second line if needed. If, if, you know, Carlo needs, uh, needs some protection and so on he can, he can play that and shelter his minutes a little bit and give uh, Hampus some time. But um, you know, it, it is a cause of a concern and I get it, but, um it, it is weird we were listen I listened to the short shift podcast uh recently actually yesterday and they were mentioning that this is not the time when you generally have these injuries like the beginning of the season to where you get really hampered with them so um yeah I, I can I can understand where you where you're coming from with the depth concern um but I think we're going to be all right I don't think it's that bad of an injury I think it's more just precautionary
1: I think if it was playoffs, both him and Paso would probably be playing. I, th- I got that based on what Brick uh, and Jack were saying the first game they were out. Like if they had to go, they probably would be going. So maybe they're being precautionary. But that Lindholm move, I was chatting also with um, on Twitter with some of the guys from Short Shift and I, I was saying I love it. It was kind of like three moves in one you know, because it's not just what he brings, which is what this team, the main piece that this team basically needed, but it's what he frees up for McAvoy to do, which is like the secondary move. And not only that, but it's when you when you bring it. Sometimes people don't we, we don't we don't take into consideration what it does for a team in a locker room when you when when your general manager goes out and gets a big piece like that. You know, the yeah. team gets a lift. You know, a big time lift and a big, you know, push of, of, of confidence. And I'm sure guys like, you know, the leaders, Marshy, Bergeron in the room, they're saying, hey, guys, listen, you know, they're behind us. They're giving us this, you know, this is this is reason for us. And I think it's shown in their play. You know, I think it, it's given them that extra boost, you know. This is a team that prides itself, you know, Another thing I've talked about on Twitter many times of flipping the switch sometimes to a fault because they'll fall behind in games and they'll just say okay we'll flip the switch but if there's any team that could do it you know it's, it's it's this these guys and I'm sure you know the energy that a move like this brings is is you know it's intangible but it, it's there
2: yeah. And to go back to the depth thing for just a second, um, I guess it depends on which depth pieces we're talking. I mean, which pieces we're talking about losing. I mean, if you lose a David Pasternak, if you lose a Brad Marchand or Patrice Bergeron or somebody of that caliber, it's going to be hard, no matter what your depth is, to be able to replace somebody like that. I think the same can be said for any team. If Tampa were to lose a Kucherov or or a Braden Point or a Steven Stamkos or a guy of that caliber, it's going to be tough to, you know, bring in bring in anyone really because their their talents are unmatched. But if we're talking about like Lazar goes down, yeah, that's a simple fix. Yeah, if we're talking about Yeah, if we're talking about uh Coil went down, I mean, it, it, I mean it's that's like a medium impact, in my opinion, not a high impact, more of a medium. But, but that guy can bring in the playoffs. I mean, geez. Um, so I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is when it comes down to it, you're not going to be able to replace that regardless of what you have for depth. Even if they went out and got Andrew Kopp at the at the deadline. Let's say they went out and got him and Bergeron goes down. Yeah, it lessens the impact a little bit, but you can still have Holla and Coyle in your top six. I think that's the equivalent to having a guy like a cop there, um, you know, so I, I don't really see the I, I, I'm not too worried about the depth. I think they have some guys in Bleed and Steen and uh, McLaughlin's now McLaughlin's look great, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. he, he fits right last night. He was I mean, from what I saw, he looked great. Um, he's, he's got some nice stretch passes going. He's, he, he's very aware of his surroundings. He's able to jump on pucks, um, and and create opportunities. I I think, I think he's, I I think he's going to be a very underrated pickup for this team when it comes to the playoffs and needing a body to fill in. I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a factor. I really do.
1: Well, for sure. I listen, uh, in in concerns to the depth, I should have probably mentioned, I'm more worried about the defense. Um, Mm -hmm. The forward lines, as they are constructed now Mm -hmm. and as everybody's playing, I mean, look at that goal that Jake scored last night, right? Mm -hmm. Look at those hands and the patience and, like, especially looking at it on the replay. Even Jake, vintage Jake, when he was scoring, you know, 27 goals there, that greasy Jake, that's not the goals he was scoring. The patience and the hands that he had for that goal, and you're literally watching him wait for Vasilevsky to open that up. I mean. If he keeps up that level of play, you know, and I'm sure obviously playing with two of the best, you learn and, and, and you feed off of that. But And then the sequence line, you know, minus that brain fart from, from Frederick last night. They've been playing great. So I'm not as worried with the forward group. I'm just worried that the defense, if they can handle the pressure, if we lose a big piece like Lynn or or McAvoy. Yeah. You know, they might, like I said, go off a game, go off a game or two, but a seven game series against a team like Tampa, it's gonna be hard. They come at you in waves, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. You, you saw that last season with the Islanders. I mean, Carlo went down yeah. and it just became a crap show. Luckily yeah. though, <clears throat> if someone went down on the left side, I'd say we're pretty good. Um, but the right side, yeah, yeah that'd be a concern. If someone went down like a, if if either Carlo or McAvoy went down on the right side I mean, that's tough. I think Lindholm can play the right side, though, if needed. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. So you could technically put Lindholm over on that side, and then you'd still have Grizzly Fulbert, and Riley for your left side there. Um, It's not ideal, but, I mean, it's never ideal when you lose a big piece like that, trying to fill it in. I mean, regardless of where in the lineup it is, I mean, it's tough. You know, and you can get as much depth as you can, but... You definitely can't have another McAvoy waiting, you know. And I, I don't think you think that, by the way. I'm not saying you do. No, 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 uh, no. But but there are people out there who literally act like, oh, well, what happens if McAvoy goes down? Well, you don't have another McAvoy sitting there waiting to jump in. If if McAvoy one goes down, you don't have McAvoy two. You know, it's like you have to yeah. figure it out.
1: It's funny sometimes. Uh, I, I feel like uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Do you want do you want to no no me? go ahead go ahead Andrew. I sometimes I feel like. Um, hmm. And I've kind of backed off on this type of talk on Twitter. I just keep it more to my sarcastic comments because sometimes you get into it with people and it becomes too big of a deal. I, you know, I have a nine-year-old who's just starting to watch hockey. So obviously he's disappointed every time the Bruins lose. So I have to, like, sit him down and kind of explain to him, you know, like, you have to understand if a piece like, you know, Chucky goes down, it's, it's hard to fill in like that. And you always have to keep in mind there's another team out there. You know, that's 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 just as good as you, you know, if not better on some nights. So as fans, sometimes we get into the the whole, like, you know, fandom of it and like, oh, you know, we, we, we lost this piece and we don't have depth. But, you know, that piece, like Kevin said, is not a piece you can easily replace. You can't replace Bergeron. You can do it from, you know, patch it for a night or two, maybe. But you can't replace a piece like that. You know Rask you mentioned the Islanders had Rask been healthy we probably win that series mm. yeah, yeah that's we, that's a we win it we win it before Cardinal goes down
0: <clears throat> that's a factor you know? yeah that's fair uh my boy Steve McEachran a uh, solid uh supporter of all Bng stuff he comes in how concerned should we be about past and injury not concerned I'm not yeah. concerned at least.
1: I, like I said, I think they could probably they could probably play now if they need to.
2: Yeah, they're being cautious.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, it and it seems to be the same thing—the uh, core injury uh, that got him a little bit. You could see it in his movements uh, in previous when when he's when it's acted up a little bit, the grimace on his face when he tries to do something sudden. So, uh, yeah, I think it's more or less precautionary. I'm not overly concerned about it, but. You know it would and like, he's still scoring yeah exactly exactly so. he's still still being a productive player um but I, I, I mean when you talk about Pastor like there's so many good things to talk about, but there also are, are some negative things that I you know gravitate to. his zone entries are just sometimes tough to watch. I know' oh. I've, I've said it a couple times when he is going full motor and he's trying to stick handle around people, it just he loses the puck at the wrong the wrong time. I know, and I know giving a, a, you know a turnover up like that is never good. But uh, when when you're ta- that talented and so on, you expect your, your zone entries to be a little better, or just get a little deeper. So if you do have to have that mistake, that the your accompanying defensemen that are coming in layers have time to turn around and get back into the play, and not like uh, leave mounds and mounds of wide ice open for that damn stretch pass or that big flop that goes up and over that we always get caught in
1: it's so. all i wonder i don't know this i'm not a statistics guy and i'm more of like a just a passionate fan but i wonder how many of the shorthanded goals against we have when we're on the power play happen when he's on the point and, or he's trying to make an entry i i, I don't know I'm i'm asking if maybe there's With, a statistic out there, but
2: without looking at it or looking it up, I could probably tell you about ninety percent of the time. Yeah. That yeah. guy should never be near the blue line <laughs> ever. ever. I mean, he I love pasta, like Mark said, you know, great player. but defensive side of things, um, the awareness of, being able to understand like, Hey, I can't, I shouldn't cough the puck up right here. So instead of trying to, um, you know, pull off my best highlight move here, maybe I should look for the safer play. There's a few little awareness, things like that with him, but you gotta, you know, you give and you take when it comes to pasta I mean, the guy's going to put up like, freaking, you know, he's good for 40 to 50 goals a season for you. So you're gonna, you know, you're going to give and take on that for sure. Um, And he's gotten
1: better defensively, by the way. Yeah.
2: That's the thing, you know? He has, yeah. But it's just those moments where he just, you know, he's not really aware of what exactly he should be doing in that moment. And he just needs to catch up. He needs to catch up with himself. It's like he's thinking six steps ahead, like, oh, I'm going to dig through this guy and then I'm going to dig through the next guy. Well, actually you just coughed up the puck and they're going the other way on a two-on-one. So Mm -hmm. you need to chill on that. You need to look for a safer place. There's times and places where it's good to do stuff like that if you feel like you can pull that off. And that's when you have backup, not when, you know, it's a line change and you're trying to break into the offensive zone and you're trying to deke through somebody and they just rip the puck away and pass it up for a two-on-one or, you know, any type of odd man break. It's just going to lead to bad stuff. So, Um, But, but yeah, I'm not overly concerned with Pasternak. I mean, when, when you look at it, the Bruins are in a gray area right now. They want to make sure their players are good for the playoffs, and they also want to push for the highest seed possible. It's really tough to do both, but if I had to choose one personally, I'd be going for making sure the players who have nagging injuries have that taken care of before the playoffs because at the end of the day, when you look at Carolina, when you look at Tampa, Florida, Toronto, when you look at the East in general, and that's just in your – Division That's not even in the other division where you have, you know, well, actually I said Carolina, but where you have, um, you know, like the Rangers who uh, are a dark horse for me and you have, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't really say Washington, but you got the, you know, the, the penguins who are also another good team there. It's going to be tough no matter what. So if you get in as the second wild card, at least your players are ready to go. Because if you go into the playoffs beaten and battered, but you got the second seed and you're playing, let's say Tampa, and you got home ice, I don't care what ice you have, I don't care about that. Your team is going to be completely beaten and battered before they can even get through two rounds, one round of the playoffs.
1: So it's, it's I think it's the tough. consensus is in the East. It doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter who you play. It's it's going to or at home or away. I mean, and the Bruins haven't been. I think, if anything, they've been better on the road, right, this year? So, I, I don't it might be I, evening out. I'm kind of with, now. You. Yeah, I- I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. You know, let's watch
0: the house. <laughs> it's, and... it's freaking pretty freaking even. Listen to this the home record, 22 11 and 2. Away record, 23 10 and 3. Yeah, it's evening <laughs> out now. But still, I
2: mean, that just shows that you can do it, you know, you whatever building you're in.
0: Right, right. And they're also 8-2-0 in their last 10. And the goal differential has gone up tremendously, up to 34. They're probably not going to catch Toronto with um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 more games to go. So, I mean, Florida's got an 85, a plus 85 goal differential. They're just firing on all cylinders this season. 106 points after 71 games played. That's just nuts. But yeah, but
1: what, how's that going to translate in the playoffs? I, I, it's, it's kind of for me, Florida, obviously, they're a great team, but you know, what have you done for me lately? Type of thing. You know, it's great that you have these numbers in the regular season. Yeah. You know, look at the Tampa in 2019. And then they, you know, Tampa 2019, I think, lost a handful of games in the season. They never lost two games in a row. So now that you go into a series where you, you lose the first game, and then you lose the second. This is right right off the bat. It's adversity they've never they never encountered that season, and they broke down.
0: You, you know what's funny is I'm I, I'm not shitting on Tampa Bay. They are a great team, great goaltending. The defense is stacked with headmen and so on. Um, but I just I kind of get this feeling. and I've said this several times in other podcasts, and I know Kevin's heard me talk about it. But this is the first full year Tampa Bay is going to play since since they got out of the playoffs from uh, the, the sweep from the Columbus blue jackets, I kind of have a feeling that they're going to do the same thing this year and just kind of flatten out, not have anything in the first round and get out quickly. Just because, just because they play, they're getting back to a full, a full season. They played the last two seasons with with their cup wins. They played less games. So this might be taking a, a heavier toll on them. And you can see, how they're playing right now, because they have dropped into the first wildcard spot with 94 points and only one point behind the Boston Bruins.
1: And they've lost four in a row. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Tampa is they have, uh, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of like you Mark, in this. I'm a little bit of a goaltending buff. So like in a game, I'll, I'll watch the goalies a lot. They have Vas- Vasilevsky. Vasileski could, he could definitely steal you a series or two, but watching him yesterday, and watching how some of the goals went in and how the Bruins, I think, were purposely trying to move him, he does have certain gaps. You know, all goalies have that weakness when they're in transition from one side to another. Things tend to open up. Um, but he does have certain, like the goal that Coil scored, yeah, high danger area. He was alone in front of the net. But it's just it, he looked really small when he got into that butterfly. And something interesting about Allmark, I noticed, is you watch Allmark when a player is coming right down on him. He's not going down on his butterfly. He's going, I think they call it the reverse VH. He has one knee down and one knee up, and his glove is up. Now, usually a, a goalie will do that on a wrap around or like when he's sealing a post. This guy's doing it when you're coming at him. And I'm watching Allmark, and I'm like, A, I've never seen this before, and it, maybe it has been done, but he looks so big, yeah. and he and he has good hands. So his glove hand is strong. His blocker hand is strong. He's obviously not worried about his corners, but he just took up so much room. He only goes in the butterfly, I noticed, when there's a movement, when there's either a pass or the puck is coming in, you know?
0: Yeah, the last couple of games, I've been watching Allmark really closely, and um, particularly after the goal he gave up when it just whizzed right by his head. And he wasn't protecting the post appropriately. (laughs) Yeah. Since that, I've been watching him and he's been really covering that post high right here. But he's also like leaning his head, putting his Mm -hmm. head more involved because. He's gotten exposed a couple of times this year by that. It's just that top corner is wide open for people just to, and you could sit basically on the goal line and just like roof it over his head. But I think he's more prepared for that. And I think he's uh, worked with goalie Bob and on his positioning when he's down in, to, in there and he's covering the uh, the post. Mm-hmm.
1: Razor touched on that, um, that. Razor, I find this, I, I love listening to Razor. Yeah uh because his analysis obviously it's coming from a player right yeah
0: absolutely and
1: he touched on that uh remember the last game of the season last year where we had all the rookies and there was that goal i think that went in off off the back of swayman's head mm-hmm. right and he touched on that a little bit how it's tough for uh, a bigger goalie to kind of like close that off and it, it leaves like it exposed a little bit you know um if anybody was a goaltending buff and
0: you don't already listen to Razor's
1: commentary, the guy is oh, yeah. phenomenal. I do
0: every time. I, I, I'm never on the edge when I when I listen to him. Like when everybody freaked out about swimming, going down to Providence, he was like the calming voice out there that says, This happens, it's routine. He's on an entry-level contract. It's expected that he's gonna have these ups and downs and go down to, to, to the AHL to learn more. The the shining fire under his ass. Yeah, the shiny new toy brigade, they absolutely drive me freaking nuts. You know, it's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're going to ruin this kid's career. It's like, no, you're not. It's, it's not like you're sending a 30-year-old down there He's going to go through waivers. Come on.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Off in the yeah.
0: rascal down. Yeah. He went down uh, quite, quite a, a bit. Few. Yeah. yeah,
1: quite a bit. Uh, and he but- turned into probably the greatest, you know, goaltender we've had. Sorry, Kevin.
2: No, that's fine. Yeah, before we get to some comments here, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the – puck off the back of the helmet thing there and and, and also Andrew Raycroft in the same sentence because back uh, it was Joe Thornton's last home game uh, playing for the Boston Bruins. They wore the Pooh Bears. It was a matinee game against the Philadelphia Flyers at the Old Fleet Center. Um, I was there and um, a puck actually came off the back of the glass, came off the glass, hit Andrew Raycroft in the back of the helmet and went in the net. Oof. It was Ooh, a tough, tough one to one. watch.
1: What are you gonna do? I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna
0: do? You know? All right, let's get to some of these questions. This is um Momo Adamo and he asks, um, do you think Jake chooses to stay in Boston? I don't think it's not a choice for Jake Debross anymore. Um, he's and it wasn't even at, before the trade deadline. Uh he's under contract, so um, and he's he signed an extension for two more years. So uh, ultimately, the the team holds the cards in this situation. Um, it's it's not on Jake. It's it's um, you know if if uh, the Boston Bruins see value out there, like th- I don't believe they had they saw on the trade market this year, or unlo- they wouldn't have made a move. But I don't think they got what they wanted in value back, so they kept them. And keeping them for two more years also holds a little bit of leverage in your trading if you if you are going to trade him um if he he seems like he's happy he's energetic he's he's you know very very um you know into the crowd before the games he, he's happy to to be playing hockey regardless of the rumors of he's not happy with the coaching or this and that you know we get the trade requests out there but it might have been a motivating factor but the team doesn't have to trade him just because he asked to um so i don't know i mean depending on like what I've talked about several times is we're probably going to see what Jake DeBrusque has in the playoffs too. And what other teams are going to see is how he produced in the second half of the, of this regular season and the playoffs. And then they'll do evaluations on if we want to give up assets, a good asset for a player like this. uh, That's that has now a little bit of term and has been playing pretty good as of late.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you, when you look at the whole situation, it's, it's hard to read in a sense because when you look at Jake DeBrusque and like you said, the fun he's having out there, it looks like he gets along with his teammates very well. From what I'm understanding, he has no problem with the coaching staff. Um, It it, it just seems like it wasn't a good fit for him at the time. Um, And he did go through a lot of pandemic stuff there that really messed with him. So um, I think there's definitely a chance that he, rescends his um trade request like we've talked about here on this podcast before but um whether or not Sweeney still decides to move him or not I mean I, that's going to a lot of that's going to uh depend on what they see here and what they have in Jake because there we've seen the song and dance with him before I mean I like the player I'm not Um, I'm not trashing the player or anything like that, but this seems to be his MO, you know, take the first half of the season off, turn it on. And I guess that's fine in a sense, because you really want your players playing at their best, um, you know, at the end, you know, at at the, uh, tail end of the season and the playoffs and stuff like that, you want to see stuff like that, but it's, it's one of those things where, I don't know, you just, it's, you want a player playing, hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing something out of Jake DeBrusque that I have not seen in a long time. Um, maybe at all, to be honest, with the way he's been playing with this top line, whether that's a product of playing with Marcian and Bergeron, that's to be seen. But I mean, he just looks reinvigorated. Reinv- he is in it. Like he looks in it to win it with this team. So you got to love to see that.
1: I, you know what? I'm starting to think uh, it was never maybe a player coach issue. I'm, maybe it's something personal. Like we've heard a lot that he finds it far from home, and maybe the COVID just that whole situation. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that enough, But the pandemic brought the uh, the whole situation, you know, even you know closer to home, where it's like he's so far away from family. Maybe I'm starting to think it's more something like that than it is with the players, and because. They all seem to love him. You know, you see glimpses of Cassidy and him having, you know, good conversation on the bench. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, – I, at the end of the day, I think he wants to move for other reasons and ultimately he will be moved, you know. And yeah. what better way than after a good playoff run where the value is high.
0: You know? Exactly. Exactly. Pejman is in the house. What's up, Pejman? He's always interacting with us on these live streams and stuff. We truly appreciate that. But he says, what's up, boys? The power play is very frustrating to watch. Zone entries should be uh, great with all the talent, but no one has been able to gain the zone clearly on a consistent basis since Krejci and Krug left. That's an interesting point. um, Two people that uh, can drive the play, even though Krejci was a little bit of the on the slower side, um, what are your thoughts on the power play leading up to the last ten games of the season and uh, potential first-round playoff with a uh, with a pretty decent team that's ahead of us?
2: Well, first, I want to go ahead and do my annual um, pronunciation test here. <laughs> Hejman, Hajiji, Hajiji. We're gonna <laughs> go with that. So <clears throat> there we go. But. I mean, the power play itself, I mean, it's hard to believe that we're as highly ranked as we are with this power play watching them. I mean, they're so hot and cold. It's like they'll have some good entries. They'll they'll have a ton of time. They'll get some goals. They'll do everything right. I mean, sometimes it won't produce a goal, but it'll look good. Then you have these times where they can't do crap. They can't gain the entry. they can't gain the entry. they 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 refuse to dump the puck in. They refuse. They're just like, nope, we have to we have to be able to skate over there cleanly and then draw it back to the defenseman. That's literally their mo. And it's like, come on, like dump the puck in. allow someone to go in there and bang the body and get the puck and set something up. i mean, if if it's not working, you have to try something else, or else they're going to continue to defend you the exact same way, and you're not going to make any headway on that power play. Um, it's it can be very frustrating to watch because it's almost like an all star team that you have out there on the ice in uh, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Martian, David Pastrnak, and Taylor Hall being your top power play unit. I mean, that's one hell of a unit. And you just got to get the chemistry going. You got to figure it out. You got to change your entries if you need to uh, when it's not working. I understand gaining the zone and being able to do an entry like that um, works at times, which is great. But sometimes you just got
0: to get the puck in deep and go after it. Uh, a lot of the times when I when I watch the power play, I, it reminds me of Hoosiers, and I know I, I bring this up a lot, but it's an old basketball movie when Gene Hackman was like in Indiana and in, you know, went to the school and so on. And he would literally, literally tell his uh, players, do not take a shot before you pass it 11 times. And a lot of the times I find this Boston Bruins team overpasses on the man advantage. And when they could have uh, could capitalize on, on, um, you know, not so many passes per se. Um, But ultimately it's your finish on the power play you i mean you're a man down you're at an advantage you got to capitalize and and for me it's just it's a lot of overpassing in my opinion yep that too yeah,
1: i i agree i think it, it comes down to lack of lack of imagination really because the power play has been good or decent for so many years but it's that one or two weapon thing you know you have you have bergeron floating up and down with in 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 the bumper well teams know that now you have pasta in his office you know so you have that pass teams know that now and you know the x factor is always marshy you know playing around the net and coming on the half ball and whatever but once once teams get that i find the bruins get lost in you know lack of imagination and like kevin said they're kind of like trying these passes and it's not you know they're forcing it
0: absolutely um, Steve McCKckerran coming back in here with another question. Do you guys think the contracts we have signed and the prospects we have are enough to avoid a full- scale rebuild after Bergeron and Marchand are gone? Ugh. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I mean, we're getting we're getting some some pieces that are low risk, potentially high reward stuff on the NCAA and I, I know that that is a that is a frustrating frustrating point for a lot of fans north of the border and i'm not i'm not i'm not poking at my boy Ange down here at all but th- there's a lot of really good canadian folk that believe that they don't get enough bruins players from canada and and that's that really frustrates people um and I, it, it's like donnie stays inside of 495 you know it's come on it's just, you know, there are good players all over the world um, where you get them. I, I, I don't I don't put any, um, you know, heavy uh, thought into where certain players come from and so on. But um, he's loading up on NCA players and he got one today that signed. Um, <coughs> his name is Georgie merkeloff and he plays and he's a Russian and he played for the um, uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. Hey and he Georgie. Was, he was signed as a out out of school as a freshman, which I felt fo- I found very interesting, and which is why he got a three year entry level contract. If he signed as a junior or a sophomore, if he signed as a soft out of his sophomore year, he would have gotten a two year, and then his junior he would have gotten one year and senior one year. So, interesting stuff from that, and he scored twenty goals this season as a freshman, so that's pretty good. Hmm.
2: I mean, w- when you think about it, really. Uh, The only person you're in danger of losing at the current moment that is a core piece to your group is Patrice Bergeron. I completely understand that he is irreplaceable. He is Patrice Bergeron. He's going to go down as one of the best defensive forwards to ever play the game. But at that point, you're just looking to replace one player. If he retires, you're replacing one player. You do not rebuild and blow up your team because you need one player that's just not how it works, you know. I mean, obviously, you'd like to draft and develop a uh, a center, um, but you you can find a way to go out there and get a guy to come in and be a good fit, the way they did with Eric Holla. But obviously, you'd want them to be um, not a. You know, I mean, obviously you're looking for better than Eric Hall at that point. If you're replacing Trees Bergeron, I mean, the names got thrown around JT Miller, Tom Tomas hurdle, you know, all these names. So yeah. you're going to be looking for a player like that, a guy who can be a solid solidified um, first line guy. Um, so, I mean, if he retires, like I said, you're looking for one piece. You don't blow it up. You have a good core here You uh, that you're building upon. You have. Uh, Swayman, who's looking really you know, promising here. I will never say he's elite and the number one goaltender until I am able to 100% say that and he earns it. Um, that's just not the type of person I am. You have uh, McAvoy. You have Carlo. I mean, maybe you have DeBrusque in the fold there. Maybe. We'll see. Um, you have um, – I'm probably missing names here, and my mind's going blank. But, I mean, you have Linhole McAvoy – for the next eight years, potentially. That's I mean, crazy. Yeah, you have a lot good going for your team that you can, you know, figure it out. I mean, Brett Harrison is looking like a promising prospect that could potentially be a top six uh, center for you. Um, LaSalle, I mean, extremely promising winger there. Uh, he, he's probably going to end up being a top line talent, but he's probably going to be playing in your, on your second line, um, depending on what they do. I mean, they, I mean right now, with the way things are and pasta working out i mean you, you don't want to break that up so but lasalle's gonna be a top six guy easily easily no doubt in my mind uh you got mason lori who's looking like an absolute oh my god like that kid is looking like he's gonna be a stud top i mean i think he could be a top pairing defenseman um i mean he's he's a stud i mean an absolute study got Jack O'Shawn there. Who's looking like he can be a top four guy. Zaboro looking like he can be a top four guy. It's not as bad as people really think it is. You just really need to find that next um, uh, center who you can, you know, if you can have Harrison and um, you know, another guy playing a one, two punch the way that Bergeron and, um, and Krejci did for you, that'd be fantastic. It's just, you know, you got to hit. And I think the 2023 draft is where you're going to be able to maybe hit on that. You still have your second round pick for this year, so you might be able to do it this year, but um, I, I think you'll be able to find a player um, at some point here that you can draft and develop over a few years and, and get him in the fold, or maybe bring him right in like you did a Patrice Bergeron. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Momo brings in uh, what's up with Beecham. It's actually Beecher. But, um, yeah, uh, Beecher is probably going to sign soon. Um, he just finished his junior year, and, um, and obviously – got out of the national championship with a tough loss to Denver. Uh, that was a great game by the way. One of the best college hockey games I've seen in a long time going to overtime and so on, but I think uh we've all I think Kevin and even Dom on the uh on our Black and Gold Hockey podcast that we're doing right now uh mentioned that, you know, after the season it was it was it was a it was a year for the Michigan Wolverines to really go and stretch it out for a national championship this year with a really stacked lineup. And it was it was a no-brainer for Beecher to to jump on board with that and stay one more year to try to accomplish that type of goal, but obviously it didn't happen. And I, I expect Beecher to uh, sign his entry-level deal uh, sometime soon, within the next couple of days, I would assume, um, and uh, get in the fold on an ATO and possibly finish the year down in Providence. And and um, I still I still think that he, Johnny is going to be a you know, a good uh fourth or third liner. You know, nothing higher than that. I know he was a first first round pick and so on, but um I I like the player. I, I like what he can bring. He's not gonna bring a ton of goals and this and that, but he, he could be that type of Frederick guy that could um add a little bit of top. I'm not saying he's a fighter or anything like that, but he's a gritty, gritty player. He likes to hit, use his big body, and he's got some offensive capabilities that can be rounded out with a little bit of of time in providence i'm not saying the nhl is going to be an you know, immediate place for him i think he's going to continue to work M- much like mason lowry i think mason as a defenseman is going to need a year in providence to get adjusted as well i don't think it's going to be you know an ncaa after a sophomore year to the uh to the Bruins. so we'll see what happens
2: Oh, another name that I failed to mention that I should have, um, Mateus uh, Mantikivi. I mean, he's looking like he can be a solid Middlesex guy for this team oh, at yeah. some
0: point as well. Absolutely. What are my thoughts on Steen? Rand um, why don't you take this one?
1: <laughs> you know, so I, I, I saw that one coming up in the chat, and I, I kind of laughed at myself because me and my buddy uh, my buddy Gino here in Montreal is also a Boston fan and, and listens to the show. We call him Popeye Thighs because the guy's thighs, it's like Steen's thighs. It's like the engine this kid is running on. I like Steen. I've always liked him. I think he's got uh, a little bit more upside than people might give him. I think he could be middle six um and possibly fill in for a top six in a pinch. Let's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's not. He's not going to be a top six guy. I don't think so, but he can fit. He's the kind of guy that he can fill in on the top line in a pinch. You know?
2: I, I see a Craig Smith, but maybe not a volume shooter, Craig Smith, but a hardworking yeah. guy who can, you know, get in, in on the offense as well as, um, you know, be able to maybe play in a top six role, like you said, in a pinch. That I, I 100% agree with what you said.
0: Constantly moving his legs. Uh, that's what I really yeah. like about him. And even down in Providence, he still continued to work. Um, it looks like that he's on his, let's see, he is on his last year of his entry level deal. He's going to be an RFA with ArBrights uh, and right now he's making 800,000 that's at the NHL level. Uh, it's 80 grand down in the American hockey league. Um, and he's uh, a 24 year old. So uh, I think that he comes into the fold. I think that they could easily sign him because they do have enough contracts uh, they have 45, uh, 50 contracts that are signed. There's probably going to be some departures over the offseason that could create room for him, but it's also going to be probably a two-way deal, two year, you know, um, you know, just to keep him in the middle depth and and continue to work and, and try to outplay current members on the, uh, on the roster for, for NHL time. So uh, I like, I, I like the player. He's just a real hard worker and he's just, um, you know, Puts that it's that lunch pail type of freaking mentality, just comes to freaking work, does what he's told, and you know, if he doesn't meet expectations, he just goes back to the drawing board and works even harder. And you like to see that from players that just don't if they're not meeting what they're supposed to be, that they're pretty much you know giving up or or their epic fails or their busts in the draft. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I, I think that he's just gonna be one of those really sought after like um middle depth guys like like Cameron Hughes. Cameron Hughes has, has sneakingly had a really good minor pro season down in Providence um, with the Bruins' top minor pro affiliate. And, and I think that he gets uh, – he's he's underrated, to be honest with you. That's Providence. That's a whole different freaking show right there. You mentioned he moves his legs a lot. Um, referring to Steen.
1: What's great about players like that, I find, um, is that guys like that tend to draw a lot of um, – Get a lot of penalties, right? Because they're always moving their feet. So that's the, you know, that's it's an important part of the game as well, you know, because especially a team like Boston that relies on, you know, their power play tools, even though you know they're not doing much with it right now, you know, those are good players to have they keep moving their feet and they keep drawing penalties. You know, it's, it's a part of the game that's
0: not talked about
1: enough. I find.
0: You know what, Angie? That's a very good uh, point right there. Is uh, Steen is a is a Euro, and I, I think Euros take a lot longer to get the North American game involved. And when you say moving their feet and getting penalties, you could really, really like line that up to where Victor Berglund is right now, which is another pro- uh, Boston Bruins prospect and a defenseman that came over this year. And um, he's a feet mover and really good laterally, really good with the pocket. It reminds me of a, another Tory Krug, but or, or or the speed of a Jack of down in Providence. But he did that as well, he was getting penalties because he was constantly moving, trying to do the right things. And um, and over the season, he's gotten better and better where now he's not getting so many penalties, he's more he's more you know. his his iq is certainly picked up as the year comes to a close because uh we are coming up to an hour right now so let's hear from the amazing bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia and we'll be right back on the other side
3: Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. We are proud to have hosted Bruins legendary goalie, Reggie Lemelin. Take home a Lemelin black or white Bruins jersey with two inscriptions and JSA authentication for just $79. Or grab a Lemelin JSA puck or photo for just $34. And we are pleased to announce some big April upcoming signings. On April 24th, we've got Jerry Cheevers and Miracle on Ice gold medalist Dave Christian. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go!
0: all right we are back you just heard bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia he's got some fantastic stuff spice up that fan cave boys girls it's uh it's it's time it's playoff time you need more black and gold get all that patriots and red Sox and and celtics crap out of there it's playoff hockey baby lfg lfg (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love that. Did you make that? No, actually somebody on Twitter was like, I don't know, some some somebody that just like comes out with a design and uh it tweeted it out and I was just like, oh man, I say that all the time at work. Every time I punch in, grab a coffee, I just start walking to my station. And I'm just like LFG! Love it. They all think I'm crazy anyway. I need that enthusiasm
1: in my life. <laughs> he's, uh what are you gonna do with these creepy uh Twitter graphic designers that oh, I, I know all and and, and
0: the ones that send those really odd gifts that you're thinking that somebody's <laughs> looking out of my closet like hey, <laughs> hey fella <The> <laughs> that's too funny. All right, what is – let's get back. Marlene's in the house. Hello, Marlene. Great to see you. Thank you for being a supporter. And if I'm not mistaken, you're still a Patreon, and we appreciate your financial contribution. And uh, where do we stand with DeBrusque? He's been hot over the last seven games. Does his contract have performance clause? I'm not sure on that one, Marlene, but he has been playing very well and um, definitely – uh, need players like that. I mean, if he's getting uh, the trust on the uh, on the first line, he's got to produce. Because you know, if you're not producing next to players like Marchand and Bergeron on that same top line, then um, um, you know it's it's, it's not going to work out. And you know, is another question to tail off of Marlene's was if Marsh if if uh, kind of tails off, who goes up to that line? That's one that I've always I've always kind of kind of thought about because they did try freaking Smith there, and Pasternak has played there in the past, but I'm seeing a better Pasternak this year on the second line than I'd have with him on the first line. Is that is that a fair statement, Ange? It's it's it's
1: fair, but my mind went straight to when you said if if he tails off, who are we going to put there? And I, I don't really have an answer. I mean, I think in, instinctively I, I would say, if Pasta's still out or, or they're still managing his injury, I, I would I would try Taylor up there uh, for a, at least a few games because he did play with them a little bit, right? But yeah. didn't seem to didn't seem to spark. Or...
0: There was a there was a game or two where we saw something that I was like, wow, that's really cool. But then I think it, with a little more trust, I, I don't think Bruce saw exactly what he wanted. I think that he was more suitable on that second line, uh, and obviously when the Pasternak moved down, uh, that kind of sparked uh, Hall's uh, creativity and ability to to pass the puck back and forth from the left to the right and 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 look for a player like Pasternak, which is cocked and loaded. Um, you know, I mean, if, you place, if you don't if you
1: don't want to break up break up the lines too much because they seem to be working, the only the, the only real line you can really tinker with right now is the fourth because we have so many pieces that we can fit in there. Yeah. So, and I, forgive me, I don't know the right side, left side. I, I don't know everybody by heart, but I don't know if maybe we could stick Nosek up there. He seems to have some finishing skill.
0: Yeah, he does, and he's he's been as high as the as the first line, um, not for long though. But uh, you know, uh, he can much he could rise up like like Hala did. I mean, Hala was is signed and projected to be a bottom, you know, a bottom six player. And and look where he is now. And just that, and, and I said it to several podcasts, um, when he got sat and had to see a game after that, his game really elevated. I probably said that word terribly wrong. But, um, you know, I mean, he rose to the occasion and he started playing really well, using his speed effectiveness. and And he was a real, like, wrecking ball, to be honest with you. And uh, I liked his game, where he's at, and, and look, we got him for like two, three million dollars, which is a uh, hashtag Sweeneyus.
1: You know, it's, we were talking about the core before uh, the core question. Um, I forget who asked it, but if you look at these these last few um, uh, free agent signings, this two year, you know. I think Sweeney, they've obviously talked about Bergeron leaving and and Bergeron retiring. They're they're not sitting on their hands doing nothing, right? They they know what's going on. They know better better than we do. I think it's a good roadmap. And and honestly, what people don't uh, tend to realize is that as this core is getting older, there's a new core that's forming. You know, uh, Lindholm automatically becomes part of that core because of the contract he signed. You know, McAvoy is is he's here for what nine years? You know, Marshy's another another two years. He's still going to be part of that core, and I have no doubt that Pasta's probably going to end up resigning. I think he's one of these players that he just he loves Boston too much, and they're going to find a way to make it work. Carlo. So yes, this, this the core is getting older, but you you have these other players that he brought in that uh, mixed in with some you know, younger players that are now becoming this new core. So I don't think the rebuild is going to be, I think it's going to be more of a maybe a, a retool and you'll never find a player like Bergeron. That's that's a bike, you know, that's a generational player. Really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, I don't know. The, the whole Bergeron talk is interesting because it all depends on how he feels at the end of this year. And we all know that the playoffs are a totally different season expectations are higher your game level rises and and the game gets harder I mean it's, I mean you're pretty much skating in cement by that time if you can go all the way so we're gonna have to see how far he can stretch his body out for a, a run and then evaluate from there and I think that's why Ber- Bergeron doesn't want to go like yeah let's do a three-year extension because he doesn't want to commit to something that he possibly can't do and I, I have much respect for a player like that. That's not about the money. It's not about this and that. It's about his physical abilities. And, and he just seems like the type of player that looks at the depth and says, you know, if I can't go and I push myself, what am I doing to a player that could be rising up the ladder? I'm blocking that player, you know? He's just that type of person that think I would probably think about all kinds of scenarios like that. I don't want to see him go. He's been the, the best defensive forward I've ever seen in my life to be straight honest with you. And he's absolutely leading the way in Selkie um, votes right now. Um, And I possibly win it. So it's a, it's always a tough subject to talk about, but my biggest thing is, 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 and, and you alluded to it and was what are we doing next for Bergeron when he leaves? Who's that next guy? And, and you're absolutely right if you look down the depth is I don't see it I honestly don't see it but I think that it will be addressed as soon as he's gone so if this season and he's gone the highest freaking center out there and that could be a free agent and and won't re, and probably won't resign in Pittsburgh because of the salary cap constraints is a player like Evgeni Malkin and 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 he's a world class talent still plays at a very high level but is that the type of player you want in your locker room? Because he's known to be a very dry, kind of all about himself type of player where character is a huge thing in the Boston Bruins freaking locker room. And that might not be a welcoming this, factor. They stay, they stay away from that.
1: You know, it's like all the Evander Kane talk. And, and you know, you, you were a big uh, a, like, you, you, you had a big voice in saying, you know, they, they have to they have to look at it because, you know, they have to do their due diligence. But they were never going to get And Listen, they got rid of Tyler Sagan because of all the whole Tyler Sagan shenanigans I don't want to go into. But, you know, they got rid of a guy who, you know, could have been, you know, because I don't think he ever reached his potential in Dallas. But and not to say that he's not a great player. But the Bruins don't like this type of stuff, you know, they, they, they're they known for, for for wanting their locker room to be tight knit and good character, you know, and name me who, whatever center, even in the league right now, nobody replaces Bergeron. That's just my opinion, you know, so you're never going to find another Bergeron, you know. So it, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're in that, but they're, they're in a good, they're in a good spot to this young core that they have. I don't think they're in a spot like a lot of people say, like when Bergeron goes, of course, there's going to be a drop off. You lose a player like that, but it's not going to be that long. When it,
2: when it comes to Sagan, they traded a kid who was being a kid. The game, yeah. they didn't, I mean, I look at that move all the time and I just say to myself, what the hell? Like I I, I I think it was the wrong move. I mean, at the time, the Claude Julian system I don't think benefited Sagan anyways. But a Bruce Cassidy system definitely would have benefited him for sure. I mean, I I I wouldn't have moved on from him like they did. I mean, is it, there's you allow that to kind of you just signed him to you know a very team friendly deal. I mean, see it out for a little bit. You know, in my opinion, see it out for a little bit, but. Who knows? I think it's I the know. outside
1: factors, Kev. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with. I think it's more all the, the whatever the noise. <laughs> he
2: he was good friends with uh, Martian in the room. I I don't think he was a bad locker room guy. I mean, you hear, you hear stuff about how he slept with Horton's wife. Who knows if that's true? I mean, well, I I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, who does?
0: If he did, I, well, you can't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> and Jeez. and Horton Horton
2: wasn't coming back anyways, so it's like, I don't know. It's
1: I could you know what if ever, if ever we chat off off uh, offline there, I'll I'll, uh, I'll cue you in on some stories I heard of some some ultra Canadian stories here about oh stuff that goes on outside. You know, the whole everybody found it strange back in the day when they traded Cristobal Huet like out of nowhere, but there's a whole story behind that that was you know. The teams don't like a lot of this outside distraction. We don't don't look at that as fans. We look at it like, okay, like what you said, uh, Kevin, which is is totally, you know, um, on point where he's a good guy in the room, but the team will look at, you know, like, you know, you hear stories like they had to have a security guard at his hotel room in Toronto because, you know, he was going out at night and he wasn't coming back to his hotel room. (laughs) And then he was playing a playoff game. You know, that's not – Kid being a kid.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough at that. I mean, cause you look, you look at it now, it's like in, in, uh, in, in uh, Dallas. I mean, they've had no issues with him whatsoever as far as his character or anything. I just think he mature, needs a little bit of too. time to mature. Yeah, you know. He just needs some time to mature. And I mean, you have a talent like that. I mean, it's, they said the same thing about Hall. He just need a little bit of time to mature. That's it. You know, it's like, just let him do his thing. I don't know. I mean, kids are kids.
0: Hey, uh, going back on the uh, center position talk, Pejman comes in here with a very interesting one, and I know we talked about it a while ago, but he says they have about $4.5 million in cap space for the for the next year right now. I would use the cap relief from the above trades to sign a guy like Kadri. Lots of history with him, but he would give us elite talent at center. And he's having a, an unbelievable season this year. Uh, it is a contract year and so on. That's my, um, yeah,
2: that's that's my worry with Kadri. I've never really seen this type of production out of him before. Um, and then the production I've seen out of him before that, um, if I'm not mistaken, has been, I mean, not really the craziest. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're going to be playing. I feel like you're going to end up paying for the year he's having opposed to what he's probably going to give you over the long term with Kadri. That's just my opinion.
1: Can you all just right. imagine Kadri and Marshall on the same team though? God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk and, about the Depart- Department of Player Safety.
0: <laughs>
1: They'd move to Boston.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, Ange, uh, I see that you have to bounce.
1: Yeah, I have to bounce. Sorry, guys. It's, uh, you know, a lot of stuff taken care of, uh, take care of with the kids and all that, but I, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I know we've tried this a few times.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah, I totally understand, my friend, and thank you for your time today. really appreciate it. I thought you did really well, really calm, cool, and collected, and thank no you. worries at all. Like I said, it's just a bunch of guys just sitting at a bar having a beer and just talking.
1: For sure. Just yep. I, yeah. I, I have to drive. If not, I'd be having a beer right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> no, I,
2: I enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate you having you on. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, we're not going to be on here for a crazy amount of time longer anyway. So you're pretty right. much here for most of the time. So, um, you know, we enjoyed it and it was good talking to you. And I'll see you on Twitter, bud. Yeah,
1: sure. I appreciate yeah, you man. guys you and the
0: rest of the network, guys. All right. Absolutely. Thank you for the support, man. I really appreciate it and everything else. Uh, also, <laughs> want to give you a shout out for that, that memorial picture of my buster. That's awesome. We're going to be making t-shirts about that. And I'm going to send one to you. <laughs>
1: it's my pleasure, bud. All right. Care, All right. Take
0: care, man. Take care. All right. That was the great Angelo, a really good graphic designer, much like yourself and a passionate Bruins fan in Montreal, Canada. So um, we're going to have to have him on again, because he was a lot of fun. I agree. All right. Where do we go now? Let's uh, get some topics going in the chat to keep this thing going for just a little while longer. And uh, if not, we're just going to sit here and shoot the shit for a little while and and then I'll edit this and get it out and get ready for the Providence Bruins game tonight so I'm psyched about that.
2: Mm. Yeah, I need to get that AHL TV one day. I do.
0: It's so worth it. And, and and it's not like the prices when New Leon was was operating the uh the shitty streams and so on. This is a company uh, from uh I think it's My Hockey. No, Hockey TV. <laughs> And they do a fantastic job. And the price I used to get the the full season package was all thirty some odd teams, home and away, and that was like I want to say it was upwards of three hundred dollars back in the day. When my when Hockey TV came in and took over, you can get the full season for like a hundred bucks, or you can get the full season for just one team, home and away, for like 79 dollars. So it's really it's really not that bad. No, not at all. So who knows maybe if if kevin sticks around for a while and he and he earns a little around here maybe the bng productions will just surprisingly get him a subscription for everything that he does here on the podcast a yeah, free yeah. subscription next year so that we don't I'm, I'm gonna write that down i'll have the accountant take care of it
2: he's writing it down <laughs> you heard it in here
0: absolutely oh we got a, a shout out here from um Mr. Steve McCachran. Shout out to the Valley Wildcats and goaltender Anton Lioneski. I can't say that word very good. He has been a wall in the MHL playoffs. I watch a couple of MHL stuff uh, on uh, hockey TV myself. It's, it's pretty good hockey up there. More or less like, like Junior Bruins type of stuff down here. Yeah, I never watched it. That's Interesting. Cool. Anything you want to talk about there, Kevo?
2: Hmm. Um, God, I feel like I feel like everything – I feel like we've already gone over pretty much most of everything. You know, it's like at this point, it's just kind of going further in depth. I mean, uh, where can we go? There's so many places to go. I mean, so who do you want to see first round?
0: Ah, uh, see, I don't even know who, who we'd be playing, to be honest with you. I haven't really – if you yeah. had a choice. I wish they I wish they had the um, projections. Um, like if it was up
2: to you when there was no standings, who would you want to play first round um, out of any of the playoff teams here in the East? Like, no, let's not go any. Let's go realistic here. Let's go Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, and, um, and, and
0: Florida. Because those are the realistic ones. Yeah. Traditionally, I would want to go for the toughest team first. Yeah, I agree. I said that not too long ago, because I think the path. Obviously, you're going to get one out of the way if you if you happen to win that series. So, get Tampa get Tampa out of the way, and you know, then who knows if Carolina is going to be around? You roll the dice with mm-hmm. that. You don't know if Toronto is going to be around, which would be an easier path. And it would and I don't believe that they'll get ever get out of a first round because I just don't like Toronto. Um I don't know, but yeah, I, I would like to see Tampa Bay first. And and if it was anything that we saw last night's game against the Lightning, that's that's playoff hockey right there. Yeah, you know, it's just it's in your face, it's gonna be tight. I, I would I was gonna send this out on Twitter last night, but last night's game just seemed to be one of those games that it's gonna be an ugly bounce that wins this game. Right. Like somebody's going to uh float one into the crease and it's going to hit a skate and it's just going to go right by. And obviously, you know, Bruins Twitter is going to go absolutely crazy because I think all sucks for letting the goal in, but yeah, you know, 82 and all no goals again. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. literally what you need here. in Boston <laughs> you know, I still, I still love what I do to, uh, to Bruins fans. that still like tremendously shit on that guy for and the signing. I was, I'm always like, He's got the worst plus minus. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm
2: like, he's on the ice for every goal. He's got the worst plus minus. He's terrible. That's so true. Plus minus is very telling stat, apparently.
0: Yeah, but, but not, I mean not for, but...
2: for me, it's like I, I mean I'm mean, I got some hot takery here, but I think this is the year that Toronto makes it out of the first round. And I really don't want it to be against the Boston Bruins. I really don't. So I I don't want to see Toronto first round. I'd rather see them second round. Tampa or Florida would be my choice for first round. Um, I'd prefer Florida because I think, I think, I think that the lightning will take care of Tampa. I mean, sorry, that sounded retarded. I think that Toronto will take care of Tampa. Uh Um, I think that would set you up for a Boston Toronto second round, something that we haven't seen in uh, a very long time. So I think uh, that could be very interesting. Um, I, I would definitely, I, if we were to finish in that, I think we'd have to, no, I don't think there's any chance we see Florida at this point because I don't think they're going to pass. I, I, I don't think Carolina is going to finish first. I think it's gonna be Florida. So if you finish second wild card, you're facing Carolina. If you finish if you finish third or second, you're probably facing Toronto. I don't think you're facing Tampa and I don't think you're facing Florida. At this point I think it's Carolina or Toronto. That kinda sucks.
0: Yeah. That's interesting though. Isn't it? uh it's so weird to think about I'm not good at any prediction when it comes to playoffs and stuff like that it's let's get the seedings going and LFG you know yeah I mean whoever we face it is what it is I mean if we face Carolina first round
2: and we lose oh well we have a better draft draft you know positioning for the second round uh in this in this year so whatever it is what it is I mean always say I'd like to see them win but it's gonna be a tough road and you got to remember. 15 teams lose in the playoffs. Only one wins. Exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, you got to go into every, every single year. You got to go in realistically knowing there is a very small chance that your team is going to win a cup. Um, Just got to hope that everything kind of falls the way that we need it to. If we can take care of a team like Carolina or Toronto first round, though, that's going to be huge moving
0: forward. Well, Pejman says this right here about Carolina. Uh, playing Carolina wouldn't scare him at all. Um, uh, we, we have owned them in the playoffs, and even though they were swept, um, this se- swept us this season, one game with Raskin, one with Brad suspended, also would um, would jump to the Metro. I mean, it's not just it's not
2: just the fact that Martian wasn't in there. It was actually Martian and Bergeron wasn't playing. I mean that that is something that you know you got to look at. But um, the one with uh, Tuca in that, I mean, it's not that game was not on Tuca. That the the team from top to bottom was absolutely atrocious. They played so bad, and they looked they looked like. Like squirts playing against college kids, like that's what it looked like. It was so bad, and I mean, they they still definitely do scare me. That they they scare me. They have a very well put together team. Um, it would be a real test to beat them.
0: Yeah, it might. He fo- follows up with he would rather face uh Pittsburgh, New York, in round two than Florida or the Leafs team that finally got over the hump. <laughs> We'll
2: see. I I don't think that would be I don't think that's that's something that can't happen though because in in the second round you're always playing someone from your division, right? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Well, dep- it I I'm pretty sure.
0: I'm I I think because. Well, wait a minute. Didn't the Bruins play the Carolina Hurricanes a while back and it, it was in the second round? Because then they jumped to the Metro. That was uh, the last time they played them in the second round. Was back
2: in the 2009 2010 season. Oh, I thought it was recently. That was the East Conference Final.
3: Oh, uh, in all right. 2019.
2: All right, my rounds are getting messed up then. Yeah, I, I think because I'm pretty sure in the second round. So let's say – let's do it like this. I mean, let's do – it's Carolina versus – I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. My brain hurts thinking about it, but I, I don't know. I, I might not be right on that. I, I mean – but I don't think there's any chance you see either of those teams in the second round. I think it's because if you, if you, if it's the Bruins versus Panthers and let's say it's the, it's Tampa versus um, the, you know, Tampa versus Toronto, um, the two winners of those games would go on to face each other. While the two winners from the other division would go on to face each other. And then the two of them meet pretty sure that's how that works.
0: Two forty meatballs is in the house. What's up? Hey, boys, great show today. Have we tackled the Felino situation with 11 games left? Don't we have to give some others an opportunity? Pejman, thank is, you. Who is making the decision to keep him in the lineup? What did Pejman say? He,
2: he, he told me that,
0: yeah, they played Columbus in the 2019 second
2: round. You're right. You're, you're absolutely correct. It does not, the second round does not guarantee that it's it, it all goes by seeding at okay. that point. It gets reseeded. That's how it works. Yep, you're right. Yep, that's why I said I don't know if I'm 100% right on this. But, yeah, Columbus, yep,
0: thank you. Uh, what about the Felino talk? Where are we at with that? Because it seems to be a, a frustrating factor for a lot of Boston Bruins fans that just don't seem to think that he's giving it all and somebody should be uh, taking his spot away from him. But um, I think, in, in my opinion, uh, I think that you're just getting um, – Uh, playoff Felino ready. So if he's going to be in the lineup, I don't think it's going to generally hurt them. Is he going to make a mistake? Yeah, but everybody makes mistakes. So I don't know. I I, I can't really clam for somebody to be out of the lineup because I'm not in the room and I'm not in the decision-making process. So uh, it is what it is. I mean, unless we're losing tremendous amounts of games and it's all his fault... Then I'd be kind of on the on the ledge, ready to jump, but I, I'm not I'm not fully on board with that yet.
2: I'm on board with giving him rest for the rest of the regular season. I mean, not every game, of course, but give him more rest and get him ready for playoffs. But you're gonna want him there playoffs. You're gonna want him in the room for sure. That's one of the th- one of the areas you're gonna want that guy is in
0: the room. Kevin Gordon's in the house. What up, Kev? Um, kind of looks bubble set up where we totally avoided the Toronto Maple Leafs all together being a Niagara resident so done with them would love to see something other than the same uh teams year in after yeah oh I totally understand that it does get boring but you do you know especially somebody that lives in the Toronto area you got to love seeing the 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 morale in the city just go down when Boston comes in and just ruins your your uh, expectations for a cup that you haven't seen since 1967 so i mean it's a long time i think
2: um i think they need to go back to the uh one through eight conference
0: seating see i like that i always like that yep I don't you know see the and with it. stupid football when they came in and and used the stupid wild card and the and then hockey freaking oh that seems like a great idea let's do that and then they did it and it's like Uh,
2: like one, one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, five plays four. that's, That's the way I always enjoyed it because you have a chance of getting to see different teams. And, and it also allows for, you know, the teams who finished well to be able to be rewarded for that. Like you want the top three guys, uh, the top three teams who won their divisions to have the lesser opponents so they can make it further into the playoffs. It just makes sense. It's like, what's the point of battling all regular season? If you know, you're going to finish second or third and you're guaranteed to play, you know, a really hard opponent first round. I mean, it it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I understand the point of the regular season is to make sure you get into the playoffs. I get that. It still has a meaning, but not like it did for the other, for the other format, which they should go back to.
0: Sharon Dietz chimes in hope she's doing very well. And Sharon, I got some stuff for you on the way, but I ran out of bubble wrap. So um, with the, uh, the supply demand, lately it's it's really sucks uh, i should be getting that sometime this week so i'll be sending that stuff out to you uh but she says agreed one through eight bring it back so it was more interesting too it really was yeah absolutely now did they recede after the first yeah so it, yeah it went one through eight and then and they didn't receded after that
2: I, yeah because you yeah you would just go with you know so say like the eighth seed beat the first seed well now the second seed becomes the highest seed if they made it through or if they didn't the third seed is now the highest seed if they made it through it's um it's definitely interesting um let's
0: see momo will zavor be back for the playoffs absolutely not And it's probably not a good idea to rush that anyway and like um pejman said it's an acl so it's going to take its time um, he is a uh, a UFA at the end of the season, and of course my computer is so slow. Um, but he's um, he's not an RFA anymore, if I'm not mistaken. And I cannot navigate. I hate this freaking computer. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I would like to see him back. I think that there was a lot of really good things that we saw this season when he, when he was given the opportunity, got some games, got some trust out of the coaching staff. And I thought he played really well and it was a nice, a shining light for a 2015 draft that always gets hampered on for being uh, a fail. But um, I think he's going to be somebody in the fold next year. I think that they really saw something good in him. And, you know, he's at that age where, you know, He's learning a lot more, and and getting more time at the NHL level really benefited him. Um, I didn't honestly didn't see this game in Providence. I thought he played a very good game in Providence, but he didn't elevate himself to the level he was at at the NHL like this down at Providence. So um, I think being in the moment and being in the limelight really, you know, stepped it up for him. And uh, hopefully he comes back because I like the way he was moving. And please, just for one game, Hampus down with with Carlo. And Zboril up with McAvoy just just once, Bruce. Just once, I'll buy you a beer.
2: I'm on board with once.
0: Yeah, see, I wanted it more last year because Hampus wasn't around.
2: Exactly. Now that Hampus is here, yeah, it's yeah, different. Don't but that now, yeah, I'd like to see Zboril with uh, Carlo though. Like 100. I'd love to see that. But I mean, when people look at that that um, 2015 draft, it's like uh, you know, it's all doom and gloom. But if you look at it, you got two players out of the three. We're playing for your team. I understand Zaboro's hurt right now, but if he wasn't, um, he would be a very important piece to that defense. He'd be much needed right now. He can play the right side. He's versatile. He'd be much needed on the right side of that bottom pairing. Yeah. And then um, DeBrusque. I mean, he's, he's DeBrusque. He's playing well. He looks good. He looks like a top six guy. You got to be happy about that. So unless you were looking for three superstars, Um, Out of those three picks, you're going to be very upset. But if you weren't, you were just looking for NHL players. You got two out of three. So,
0: yeah. Interesting one from 240 Meatballs. Who comes up from Providence to act as the third goaltender come playoff time or that kind of peripheral black ace? Can I take a stab at this before
2: you do just to see if I'm right on this because you're more of the Providence guy? Good. Grossnick. Well, it just makes most sense.
0: I mean, well, yeah, he's on a two way deal and he's having a fantastic season down at Providence. I would give him all the trust. I mean, he's 15, four, and four, and something like that. He's leading the league in goals against average and save percentage. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is probably exactly why you got a goaltender like that during the offseason. Not only to have some sustainability and a veteran presence uh to uh, Kyle Kaiser, Callum Booth when he had opportunities to play up here, Mighty, um not Mighty Verdeur, um Jeremy. Son, Jeremy Verdeur, uh, you know. Um yeah, and he's been a really good soldier for uh, Ryan Luchinel down in Providence and and a real veteran leadership. So uh, that's who I would give it to. And I know that he's not a prospect per se, and Kaiser is, and I know there's going to be some pushback that prospects should get the opportunity and blah, blah, blah. But Kaiser has been up here before in the black aces and, you know, but also, you know, Providence is, is going in a different direction lately. Their their last 10 games, their record is really not that good, um, but they're still in the mix. Um in the uh Calder Cup playoffs which is going to happen this year. I'm I'm super stoked for that. The the Providence Bruins haven't been in the playoffs uh for the last two seasons and that's due to the pandemic. There's nothing to do with them being out and and to be honest with you the last two years if they were in the playoffs I think they could have made long stretch uh into the Calder Cup um I'm not sure about winning it but getting there I I had them you know high. But uh I think they're going to have a a good season. The uh, first round is a round of three, and then it goes seven games after that. In round two, three, and four. So, um, right now, we are matched up with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and uh, I think we play them pretty decently. So, uh, it's going to be fun. And and it's a big it's a big year for Ryan Mujanel. He's the first year coach of the Providence Bruins this year, and this is the first time he's ever coached uh, a head coach job in the American Hockey League. And he's I thought he's done pretty well. You know. Yeah, that's who I would – I mean, Gross, Gross has just been really good. He's just uh, – some of the saves for a, a 32-year-old goaltender It's like, I have a hard enough time getting out of my, my freaking office chair. This guy is like sitting down in a crease and just freaking busting out saves left and right, and it's just like, damn, dude, you're 32. You're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Jesus. I can uh, barely move. I'm freaking – I'm toast. Yeah. All right. Um, If nobody's got anything else, I think it's probably going to be appropriate time to call this a show. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Um, Let's talk about our Patreon account. If anybody wants to uh, uh, pitch in and donate a dollar per episode, we'd certainly appreciate that. And for doing so, when you go to patreon.com slash block and go hockey podcast, and you donate just $1, uh, we do about four episodes. Sometimes we do six a month. It's it's it's, it's back and forth, but it's a very small investment. But uh, it could earn you some uh, really cool stuff, uh, like weekly giveaways, like signed pucks, you know, all this freaking awesome stuff, all fully authenticated and everything. And also hand-signed jerseys. This, this month, Jerry Cheevers, fully authenticated, Hand signed Hall, uh, Stanley Cup, 1970, 72 signature right there. Awesome stuff. All that for a buck. So we do these jerseys once a month and we do the, uh, the pucks in the, in the signed photos uh, every week. So um, yeah, we're giving this away this, uh, this month, the middle of the month sometime we'll pick a day and, uh, and do that. But this week's uh, winner is Mr. Dale Lind. And I'm going to be sending him a puck and a Jersey because he was the, uh, monthly winner last week so last month so congratulations dale and thank you for your contributions you are dumb man and everybody else that is um great people that <clears throat> including sharon and so on that that contribute financially we truly appreciate that it helps us put the lights on here in the black and go production sports media company but yeah we got a few more comments congratulations dale Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. Like I said, we're probably going to probably be doing these more often. We have um, um, negotiating with a new sponsor right now. And um, that's kind of exciting and kind of nervous at the same time because uh, back in the office negotiating contracts and so on. But it's uh, hopefully something comes out soon because this is a decent company and and uh, we're just going to create a little more revenue for the for the company and uh, more opportunities. Um uh, for uh digital content here at bng so uh, we appreciate all the support all the listens the retweets the shares the uh interaction on twitter you guys are amazing i mean i could be grumpy sometimes everybody can be grumpy twitter's grumpy Mm. twitter is a grump
2: yeah you if you run into me on a bad day on twitter (laughs) i can get but but i I respect i give respect unless respect is not reciprocated yeah once the name call once the
0: name calling come out it's like okay now it's on yeah (laughs) all right but nobody's name calling here thank you very much to uh angelo from montreal for joining us kevin o'keefe your time today has been uh greatly appreciated and uh please enjoy the rest of your saturday and the weekend and and tomorrow's game against the washington capitals and hopefully everybody else um has a safe and happy weekend (laughs) And let's go bees! We got ten more games to go, Uh, and it's it's getting there. So, it, lots of exciting stuff. Danielle from from Brazil, what's up? Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hopefully, I got you some follows yesterday with that shout out. So, anyway, thank you very much, everybody. What do we do here, Kevin? We do a peace out, right?
3: Peace out.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at black and gold pod at BNG productions at black and gold two seven seven and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official black and gold website, where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace
3: out.